Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Well, things have certainly changed a lot over the past couple of generations, haven't they? It used to be that when you were born in a particular place, you grew up there, you lived there, and you probably even died there. But over the past few decades, that has certainly changed. And there are many of you who are not living in the same place as your family. You're not living in the same place that you were born in. Maybe you have moved several different times in your own life. Maybe you've lived in several different cities. Maybe you've lived in several different states. Maybe even some of you have lived in different countries. It seems that we are used to life never really having a home. It's that life of a sojourner. We are always moving. And in that context, Pastor Copen's words from last week, as he preached on the opening verses of John 14, really struck home, so to speak, as he talked about our ultimate home, that our ultimate home is to be in Jesus's kingdom. Our ultimate home is to be with him. And until that time, we are always wandering. We are always just living that life of a sojourn. But how great it will be to be welcomed into his forever kingdom, into our forever homes. Our reading today is from that same section in John's gospel. We continue in John 14, and we find that earlier, as Jesus was talking about the future, he stressed that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the means by which his disciples would reach that ultimate destination to be in God's kingdom forever. But in our reading today, he stresses a slightly different point. He backs away from that ultimate future and instead talks about a closer time. He talks about the today and our tomorrow. He talks about what it will mean that even though he is departing from his disciples, even though he is leaving them, that he will never really leave them alone. They will not be orphans, Jesus says. He promises that he will come to them, and they won't be alone. See, Jesus tells his disciples that they don't have to worry about having a long-distance relationship with him. He will not be far from them. In fact, he will be closer than he has ever been before. He will be more present than he ever has been before. And he will come bearing his wonderful gifts. And so our reading today gives us this great promise. So let's look at it a little bit closer. The promise that we will never have that long distance relationship with our Savior. First, as we look at Jesus's words of promise, we look 
to the people that they were initial that that promise was initially given. Jesus was speaking to those disciples there on Monday, Thursday. And Jesus was giving them a promise that they didn't realize they needed. As Jesus spoke those words of promise, I am sure that none of those disciples really understood the full importance of it. Because even though Jesus had warned them, they did not know what the next few days would bring. But the next few days changed their world. The next few hours changed their lives. First came that betrayal when Jesus was handed over to the authorities. And then came the trial, the mocking, the scourging, and then the cross. Jesus' suffering and death, and then the grave. And where were the disciples in all of this? They abandoned Jesus. They denied him. They doubted him. They ran for fear of their own lives. And in that time, when they realized that they abandoned God, no doubt they felt abandoned by God. They felt that they were completely alone, that that relationship that they once had was broken and it could never be restored. But Jesus had promised them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he did, didn't he? He came to them on Easter. Easter morning, Jesus, Jesus broke free from that tomb of darkness and death. He rose victoriously. And what did he do after that? He came to his disciples. He came to his disciples even though they were afraid. He came to his disciples even though they doubted. He came to his disciples even though they had no clue what they were supposed to do. And when he came to them, he fulfilled that promise in wonderful ways. For not only did he come to them, but he came bearing gifts. He came with that gift of forgiveness and pardon as he assured them that their sins were forgiven. He came bringing the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he told them that they should go and forgive the sins of others as well. And he came with that assurance that their faith was not lost, that their faith was not broken, that their faith was not in vain. Jesus showed them the signs of his resurrection, the signs that he was that victorious conqueror. Jesus had come. He didn't leave his disciples as orphans, but instead he assured them of his presence, of that promise. He assured them of a new life together. But that's then and this is now. So is Jesus's promise for us as well, or was it just for those disciples at one time? I think it's safe for us to say that Jesus's promise might have shown itself a little bit differently to those first disciples, but that promise is good for all of his disciples, for us even in our own time, because in fact, we have a lot in common with those disciples, don't we? 
I mean, we didn't maybe deny Jesus as he was walking to the cross, but we share the same disobedience. We have denied Jesus in our own ways, in our own life. Maybe not with our lips, but the way that we have chosen to live our lives. We have doubted Jesus in our own ways. You see, our sin is the same as those first disciples. And if our sin is the same, then our need is the same. We don't want to be left alone. We don't want to be orphans. We want to know that Jesus is for us, that Jesus forgives us. And so that promise that Jesus gave those first disciples, I will not leave you alone. I will come to you. You will not be orphans. That is a promise that we need to hear as well. Because let's face it, absent that promise, Satan will do his work in our life. Satan will do his work to whisper those lies where instead of focusing on Jesus's words of promise, maybe Satan will fill your heart with other words that Jesus said. Didn't Jesus say, if you loved me, you will keep my commands, that you will obey my commandments? Well, Have you been doing that? Have you been following Jesus' commands to a T? When you put together your daily to-do list, do you have a separate page that you just list out the commands of Jesus and how you are going to fulfill them each and every day? Do you even read God's word on a regular basis? Do you pray to him regularly? (laughs) Well, see... If you don't do those things, Jesus clearly says you don't love him. Why would Jesus want you as one of his disciples? Those are the words of the devil. Those are his lies that he speaks into our hearts in order to convict us and turn us away from the Lord because he will try to make us feel as though we have been abandoned, that we are the ones who abandon God. And so he's not going to come. He is not going to come after us. He told us what he wanted us to do. We didn't do it. And so we are now left alone as those orphans. See, Satan has a way of taking Jesus's words and making them feel like a millstone around our neck that can carry us down into the deep abyss of despair. But guess what? Those words are not Jesus's words. Those words are the devil's words. Instead, Jesus speaks to us words of great promise. I will not leave you as orphans. You will not be alone. I will come to you. Jesus knows about your sinful nature. 
Jesus knows how many ways you fall short each and every day. Jesus knows those things because it was for those very things that he entered into our world of sin. He came to die for your sins. He came so that you would know forgiveness. He came so that you would know that promise that he will not leave you as an orphan. Instead, he will come to you. And how does he come to you? He comes to you in his word and in his sacraments. Jesus comes to you in that word, that assurance of your forgiveness. See, while Satan only reminds you of your sin, Jesus reminds you of his forgiveness. That you have been set free from that sin. That that sin no longer weighs you down. Instead, you are that child of God who is holy and precious in his sight. These are the gifts that Jesus brings. Jesus doesn't just give you forgiveness, though. That gift of the spirit of truth, that gift of the counselor. He brings that gift as well. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you will be better equipped to walk according to his word, so that you will better be able to follow that path of his light and not wander off into the darkness. He gives you that spirit of truth, so that he can speak his words of truth into your own life. So that in that moment of darkness, in that moment of despair and doubt, you would be reminded of the truth. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. You will not be alone. I will come to you. And he does. But Satan creeps his ugly head and says, yes, that was then, but this is now. You haven't done your part. He has given you everything you have needed, and you still don't follow that path. Don't you know that the gift is expired? Don't you know that you have worn out your welcome? But the spirit of truth persists. And the spirit of truth speaks over those lies of Satan to assure you and me that Jesus' gift, it's not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus' promise isn't a a one-time offer. As long as you hear that word of Jesus, as long as you receive his gifts, that promise is for you. His presence is there for you. See, sometimes we think, well, I was baptized or I was confirmed, but you don't know what's happened between now and then. I may not know, but Jesus knows. And In Jesus' mind, there is always room in his house for all of the prodigal sons and daughters, for all of those who have lost their way but have heard that news, that news that Jesus' forgiveness is still for them. 
Jesus even told his disciples that when he goes, he will ask his Father to send them that gift of the Spirit. And Jesus did go. He went to the right hand of his heavenly Father. Jesus ascended into heaven. And now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he can do exactly what he promised to do. He has that power. He has that authority to fulfill his promise in wonderful ways. You see, Jesus can be present with all of us. Jesus can do exactly what he says he will do, even in ways that he couldn't do before his ascension. And so when Jesus promises that he will be with you, that he will not leave you alone. Don't for a second doubt that he can't do it or that he won't do it. Because he can and he does. In fact, his promise, so far from being a one-time offer, is a present and ongoing thing. Jesus is always asking his heavenly Father, for that gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is always giving those gifts to his children, and Jesus is always present. Present in a special way that we can hardly even fathom. Because Jesus doesn't come to us alone, does he? He comes with gifts, but he comes with that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And he comes with his heavenly Father. He comes with his heavenly Father's assurance that we are his children, that we will receive his wonderful inheritance. See, we are not orphans. We have not been left alone. Jesus has given you and me that wonderful promise that he will come and he does come. He comes to each and every one of us through that word, through those sacraments. And he doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. Instead, he is always there encouraging, uplifting, strengthening. Jesus is the one who is giving us life. See, fish can't live outside of water. But you and me, we can't live without Jesus. And he knows that. He knows that we have no life without him. And that's why he's promised. That's why he has said that he will not leave us alone, because without him we have no life, but in him we have life. By faith in him we have life. And this life is not just life for today and tomorrow. This is eternal life. This is that life that will always be with us till that time that Jesus brings us into his kingdom forever. You see, long-distance relationships, they're hard. It's hard not to have a home. It's hard to feel like you are always that sojourner, always that wanderer. Jesus doesn't want that for you. 
He wants you to live with that assurance that you have a forever home. But he also wants to know that until the time that you are safely back home, he's with you. You are not alone. You are not the orphans of God. Instead, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if fears come and make you feel like you are alone. Jesus says, I will come to you. It doesn't matter if despair hits or those doubts surface in your life, whether you're really good enough to be God's child. Jesus says, I will come to you. See, Jesus doesn't wait for you to say the perfect prayer. Jesus doesn't wait for you to get your life in order. Jesus doesn't wait for you to do everything exactly the right way. Instead, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. No matter how dark your life may be, no matter how full of sin your life may be, Jesus gives us a wonderful promise. You are not alone. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. And Jesus does. He comes with his presence. He comes bearing those gifts. Jesus comes in his word and in his sacraments, and he is here. He is here for you, and he is here with you. So fill your hearts with Jesus' life. Fill your hearts with Jesus' presence. Fill your hearts with Jesus' grace and forgiveness. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen.